0: Hey folks, and welcome back to Tales of Asper Un. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's light on rules and very high on storytelling. Now, what does that mean? Well, the five of us, we sit down at our desks, pretend to be someone we're not, and then record it all to share with you. Then we put out an episode every other Friday. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. And the best part of all is that we have no idea what will happen next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. This just means that sometimes we roll dice to figure out what happens next in the story. This week is a little bit different than normal. A few weeks ago, we hit our one year anniversary and our production has been a little sideswiped by all this quarantine business. So this episode is gonna be our way of celebrating all the love you've shown us and the joy we have telling stories for you. There's no dice this week, and there's no story either. We're setting aside the game to give you a peek behind the show, the cast, and what we love or hate about storytelling. No mid-roll this week either. So if you want to follow us, we're on Twitter at Tales of Asperan, our website, www.toapodcast.com, Facebook, and we have a discord. Let's get this ball rolling, shall we? Oh, wait, hold on, there might be some spoilers ahead though I'm pretty sure you already knew that. Let's get going. Alright, so, hey everybody, welcome to Tales of Asperan. Unlike our normal episodes where we get into the story and play a game and, you know, roll some math rocks, we're answering some questions that have been sent in by all of you, the listeners. Let's announce who's here for this episode. We don't have a full cast.
1: Tedward's here.
2: Uh, is here. Hi, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know this is a little weird. We never address the audience this way.
2: Should we like, introduce like who we are or, like yeah, just it, character-wise? Yeah,
0: it's fine. We haven't introduced who we are before, so I feel like it's fine. We're not really breaking a status quo here. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, I think a good way to start off is... Let's just dig right into some questions here. Uh, this one was sent in by Nikki. She's a listener from a show called Top of the Round. For each player character... Who what do you have most in common with your character and what do you have
1: least in common with them?
2: Uh, you want to go?
1: Yeah, you can go. We'll, we'll go back and forth. So you start first this time.
2: Okay. Um, what do I have most in common? I actually took inspiration from my inability to keep any sort of living plant alive. Oh, so that's uh, like legitimate. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. legitimate. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, from my daily life. The day when I came up with Alea, I, uh, I had to throw away a dead succulent that I've been trying to save. Um, And I was like, how funny would it be if I was like, if this was a druid, you know, like if I was meant to keep something alive and I just couldn't. Um, But yeah, so that aspect is what I have uh, in common. I am very, very, very bad at keeping plants alive. Uh, Currently, I've decided to house a, a new type of plant I haven't had before. And you know what? I've had it for like about four months. So like we'll see.
0: That's a good that's a good track time.
2: Yeah, but I also bought a second plant while I had that plant. Like I bought them at the same time and the fur that, that one plant is definitely not alive. So it's one out of two. But well, there's know? an easy
1: explanation for that. Jealousy.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh no. Um, so yeah, that's what I have in common. Uh what I don't have in common. Let's see. I don't know. Uh, I feel like Alea is pretty close to to me. be a little bit of a self-insert. <laughs> I mean, but, um, everybody has
0: one of those. It's fine.
2: She's, I think, more charming than I am. She, like, for someone who, like, everything kind of goes wrong. She's clumsy. She can't keep, like, she's bad at, at the family business, you know. Uh, she is naturally kind of charming and kind of, Talking herself out of situations she doesn't even mean to be talking herself out of. Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of just all accidental charm.
0: (laughs) So, one Um, question I have to follow up on that, that kind of charm that you have as a person, does it ever feel weirdly threatening sometimes? (laughs) Because I know Aaliyah (laughs) had that huge problem in the beginning, where she said everything in a nice way, but it kind of sounded like a threat.
2: Uh... I mean, that's where I don't think I'm like her. I don't think I'm as charming as she is. Um, have I ever been? I don't know.
0: <laughs> that's the scariest I, part about it. I honestly
2: it. don't know. Now I'm worried. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I do because I think I'm just like really uh, awkward. Like, Aaliyah's awkward, but she's more charming about it. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see. Uh, Tedward, how about you?
1: I have nothing in common with Tedward, <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, like the opposite like, at all. Um, yeah, not, nothing down to like Tedward is a great lover of violence, and I'm so averse to it that I don't, I don't kill insects in my apartment. I have an itemized treaty with them, written on a large chalkboard, and, and it lays them. out it lays out where, where they can and can't go. And the only punishment is like exile. I just scoop them up and throw them outside.
0: <laughs> um, exile. I think to follow up on that, is there anything about Tehran you particularly enjoy role-playing the most? <laughs> I mean, like if you were to pick one thing about him that you, have, that you absolutely love.
1: If I actually could be an expert in like agriculture and just pull that out at a, at a party, just be like, well, you know, the thing about cows is that they have names and and actually know what I was talking about. That would be pretty amazing. So just to clear that up, I've never said a true thing intentionally about farming in the person of Tedward.
0: Wait, seriously? I assumed you were Googling stuff and just kind of like confidently saying it. No. I do have really making it up.
1: <laughs> I do have a book that was written in the 1760s that I I I planned to start reading from whenever I I speak in Tedward's farming voice from now on, but to begin with, I was just completely pulling it out of my ass.
0: Oh my god! It, I would have believed you otherwise.
2: <laughs> would you say you're a fan of uh, cheesy ro- like uh, cheesy hero-, hero novels like No, uh, <laughs> no? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right.
0: That's funny. I'll, I'm blo- still blown away by this farm comment. It's broken my brain because you say it so
1: confidently. Tedward has confident. Tedward is mostly confidence confidence and dietary fiber compose 99 percent of tedward's body and the other one percent is probably hostile magic (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh Uh,
0: okay um uh, let's go to another question this one will be um this is one that's interesting it's come up a couple of times just from talking to other people about the show it's asked if there's anything that i as a dm absolutely don't allow in my games and why um, as a DM, I'm pretty yes end um, when it comes to storytelling. I usually, if a player introduces something that isn't like you know crazy problematic or awful, you know, I'll roll with it. The only thing I'm very, very hesitant to like immediately roll with and give the green light in my games is racism just because as a writer, I think usually making someone just blanket racist is, you know, lazy. And I, as a white male, I've never really experienced it to any kind of harsh extents whatsoever. So I don't really trust myself to make that type of story engaging, especially for an audience. Like, I've done it in home games where the player introduces it and, you know, it works out great because I'm kind of playing off of their cues, but in a you know a public-facing setting, I don't trust myself to make it an engaging story. Mm-hmm. Um, and With this question too, I think a good follow up is: there anything that you guys, as players, don't like seeing in games that you've been in, like D and D or otherwise?
2: Hmm. It's not something I don't like, but it's something that I've, I've, I've only been in, I think, three campaigns. Can't campaigns in quotation marks because I'm pretty sure two of them. Well, this is one, and then I have another private one, and then the other one was a one shot. So. It's not that I don't like it. It's just I feel like it hinders kind of how, how, how you can get into the game. Whereas every character doesn't know each other. No one has any connections. Everyone has secrets. And then it kind of makes the, like, the jumping into it a little slow. Um, and I don't know. That has personally been my least favorite part. Because mm-hmm. um, it's just like, you, you usually know the people you're playing with to a certain degree. And when you don't, it makes it more challenging to like not only open up as a character, but also open up as a player, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, um, I, I absolutely yeah. agree with that. Um, even in this campaign, there was that brief moment where you all were in this tavern together without any goal. And there was a little bit of like that, oh, this is a game. Uh, we have to introduce each other to ourselves and yeah. all that junk. And so you kind of prefer it to be more like, prearrange you know you're all a crew on a pirate ship or you are all a group of mercenaries working for the local royalty or something like just
2: yeah something where we can like play off and like kind of uh not only grow as individual characters but also as like a team kind of see where they progress where like that happens in like those kind of first introduction kind of stories but i think it's um i don't i don't know i don't know exactly what i'm trying to say but maybe that might just also be because i am so bad at introductory things that it just transpires into it like uh transfers into um my gameplay. <laughs> you no, know,
0: I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um and as me as a DM, I try and rush through those awkward introduction moments as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um just because, you know, it's a game and we want to get to the fun stuff. tedward how about you?
1: Yeah, you know, I had the same thought. Um I think the most fun I've ever had interacting with another player in the game was uh, was playing a rogue. And before we even started the campaign, me and another player who was also playing a rogue decided that for our backstory, we were going to be a crime duo, and we we pre-arranged a lot of our like backstory so that we already knew each other to the point that um uh, we could say things like let's do a cat in a hand basket. And we wouldn't just be riffing. We would actually have like a caper that oh. cat in the hand basket represented like Thor and Loki doing like get help. That, that to me was more fun than like trying to meet up. And because in real life, I'm, I'm a, a pretty, pretty crippled introvert when it comes to strangers. Like if I met you in a tavern, I wouldn't suddenly end up in your adventuring group. And in, in 20 minutes, I'd be back inside watching like yield Netflix um so like having somebody i already know is more fun in my mm-hmm. opinion so i agree with uh Alea.
0: this kind of jumps on something that i've i'm currently working on behind the scenes i know i might have mentioned it to you too already but i'm working on a side campaign and my players have come to me with a concept where they all want to play wizards who have all decided for some reason or another that they hate their major at their wizard college and they <laughs> all have abandoned this you know, collegiate pursuit to become pirates. So they were all roommates in college and they all know each other already. And there's this, this kind of predisposed, like they, you know, it, it's already a unit. There's no introductions. You just jump right in. And I am so excited.
2: Yeah. That's
0: wonderful. That is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Let's find something new to talk about. Oh, um, this, this question was asked by B. Uh, that's just the username they use, but they run a podcast called Frostwalkers. Um, they want to know who is your favorite NPC.
2: Twoberry, oh, <laughs>
1: of course. Of course, oh, too- it's Twoberry. <laughs> I was gonna say that drug dealing goblin who doesn't deal oh, drugs. Oh, he was good, hey, too. He yeah, was good yeah. too.
2: Oh, I feel so bad about him. Oh my gosh. I should oh, have also- expected
0: Twoberry just because of your aggressive <laughs> defense and babysitting of him.
1: Twoberry's easy to love. Yeah,
2: it's that's very true. Okay, let me pick another one. Um
1: and also Tuberry is borderline NPC because technically I think we control Tuberry.
0: Yeah, technically. You don't, I don't think you know that, but like, <laughs> like the magic item Dave you do. married
1: life. We can use the classic I brought you into this world. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> I can take oh, you.
1: Out no. Yes, no. Yes. I mean, yes like yes, your parents yes. I will I will eat my sock right now if your mother or father has never used that exact line on you.
0: Yeah, oh, it's true. a parenting there trope.
1: Rose is pretty cool because I don't see a lot of Southern accents in fantasy properties. Everybody's got to have English accents.
2: Yeah. I is, hate
1: that because I
0: suck at it.
1: <laughs> but it's cool that you mix it up. And I've only ever heard like one other podcast and... One other podcast and zero, zero mainstream fantasy has ever used a Southern accent that I'm aware of. Which one's that? Other podcast. I, f- I forget. I think it was called The Once and Future Nerd. I don't know if that's the title of it or just a, an episode title, but it's about real world kids who get brought into a D&D universe and in that universe, elves have Southern accents. Oh, that's which I find Which I find really funny.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. I think... Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, 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 go for it, go for
0: it. No, I was going to say... Um... In the past, I think I've had one person, one listener comment about the show. So it's nice to hear that you enjoy that. I enjoy it.
2: Yeah, it's it's it it adds to the world, you know, Hmm. not everyone is from fantasy England.
0: One thing this will give you guys a cool peek behind the screen is for all the different regions of the world. I have um, notes on what kind of real world names are kind of an analog for that region. So like, if someone is from Black Anvil, there's a pretty good chance their name is going to have like German roots. If they're from like First Light, which is like the biggest city way, way up north, there's a pretty chance their name is going to heavily like either be like French or English. And I've just kind of, I don't want to quite call it arbitrarily picked it. um, But I tried to make make it very diverse. So like, as you traveled from different regions of the world, you would notice people's names change based on where you were. So like, if you paid enough attention, you might be able to tell immediately if someone was from the Swamplands or if someone was you know, from the coast or the deserts or like lived that's in the That's really mountains.
1: cool. I'm going to pay attention to that now.
2: <laughs> um, what was the original question?
0: Uh, it was favorite NPC. Favorite NPC. Oh, that's so good right. One
2: Is it weird to say Rose's Armadillo?
0: No, not at all. No, that's pretty cool.
2: I think it's, I just like the the idea of that kind of, what would you call it, like a summon?
0: Yeah, it's an elemental melee, essentially.
2: And also personality-wise, he dealt, or they, it? Yeah, it. Uh, it dealt with uh, Alea's bullshit about the apples and with, unlike,
0: mm. uh... Oh, yeah, Igni.
2: Uh, Igni. Where is Igni? You know. Oh my god, I just remembered.
0: <laughs> you haven't checked on him in a while.
1: <laughs> Didn't Igni, like, literally go off just to watch a dude rot in prison?
0: Yeah, yeah, for a little while. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna round our way back to that. Um, oh, this is a perfect lead in actually. So someone asked me in particular what, let me see the exact question. It was from someone from the Cash Junkie Discord server, which is a Discord for like podcast creators. Um, their username is the Instagram spelled G-R-A-H-M-E. But they asked if there was a moment that sort of crystallized the wider plot in my head for the campaign and you know they clarified some examples but one thing that i kind of wanted to make a clear theme for this was villains that were made by the hero's hands now that could be them saving someone or them not saving someone that creates a villain but i know when we started this campaign you all had said that you wanted to you know not save the world for once because every D campaign is about saving the world which is why this has been like very small scale adventure Um, But to bring it back to Igni, he is watching the first person you saved who happened to be a terrible person, which is, I think, I hope is going to make its way around a lot further in the campaign so that, you know, your action in showing mercy to someone who is truly terrible ends up coming back to bite you in the ass later. Or maybe it doesn't. Care.
2: We did not know he was truly evil. Okay? Oh
0: yeah, you didn't. You didn't at all, and you still, your characters still don't have any confirmation of that. But very true.
2: That-
1: well, I don't care. Tedward's <laughs> pathologically incapable of regret, so if he even remembers it,
0: yeah, he might not even remember it. It might yeah, be a totally you different go.
1: person. You Everybody gets the same treatment: spud in the mouth, swift kick in the ass.
0: But yeah, that's kind of where the idea came from. Um, so I think that character is going to show up a little bit more further down the line. Lately, until the players encounter him again, the audience will get um, get Irnin in like a handful of narrated scenes that they get to see what Irnin's up to while the party's off adventuring.
2: Ooh, the ferret.
0: Oh, Snorful Gargan. Mm. Mm.
2: That, that was a good one. That's also a great episode. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, that one, I was really happy with that because that character was very much shaped by... Um, Keeper Susanna from Thornvale. She submitted a name for a character that was the name of her first cat. I'm pretty sure it was her first cat. Um, and I was like, this is a really weird, goofy animal name. So I just kind of put an asterisk next to it and wrote like pet. And then I was like, I need an imaginary friend. Oh my God, this is amazing. And then that's kind of where this personality came from. Just kind of built him off of that. Actually, that you had, uh, what was the question you asked us earlier, Avi?
2: Um, I asked, uh, has there any been kind of improvised NPCs that you weren't expecting to make?
0: Um, Yeah, so with that, Snarfogargon was definitely one of them. Um, I ended up, I just wrote down Imaginary Friend and I had the name, but I wasn't even sure if you were going to encounter them or follow up on that thread. So I didn't make any effort to write anything about it. Um, And that character just kind of made on the spot. Um, and he was pretty inspired by this um, imagery I saw of someone who drew, like, a dreamlike ferret. And it had these, mm-hmm. like, kind of, what's the word? Um, you know, like, the Deep kind fur. of Hawaiian tribal, like, oh, illustrations yeah. and tattoos all over the fur of this ferret. And I was like, that motif is is pretty cool, and it feels, like, dreamy, which just rolled me right into where Snarfelgar can kind of fit um, other NPCs. Nice. The dockmaster that had a big red belly that looked like Santa—I had to make him up on the spot. Um, the one who who didn't take enough, didn't ha- didn't care enough to get your names right. Um, yeah. Who else was there? You guys encounter so many people. Um, the bookkeeper that Haley spent twenty minutes messing with in the shop—I I had to make up that whole shop. Um,
2: I love hearing about things that you have to make up on the spot. <laughs> like, it's so good.
0: Much of this campaign has been me making up stuff on the spot. After you guys split up from the uh the when the house exploded. Oof. Um, the restaurant that you and Ted were sprinted through was definitely made up on the spot. Um, that whole encounter. Just about all of it was this kind of just wild progression of dominoes that I was like putting up one domino right before you guys pushed it over. Especially when you guys split the party. That was a lot. <laughs> Basically every person, yeah, every person you encountered there was made up right before you got to it.
2: That's amazing. I love that. That's insane.
0: Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see if we can find another good question here. Okay, this one we're right about at the time for the break, so this is a good time to bring this question up. Um, Cheyenne from she's a listener from Twitter. Uh, her handle is at poems by Cheyenne. She asked, "How early did we know about the tepper berry switch? Because in the edit of the episode, it." There was no conversation about it. It just happened. And she wanted to know if there was any prep work on the attention to no. his speech pattern specifically.
2: <laughs>
1: no. It was it came from a complete misinterpretation of you saying he wakes up and it doesn't seem like his mind. I thought you were talking about me. And <laughs> and you weren't. <laughs> but you rolled with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Tedward did that that whole impromptu speech in Tedward's voice. Followed by Alaya's confusion and disbelief was 100% genuine. Yeah. Because I <laughs> muted myself because I was giggling in the background. Because I didn't plan for that to happen. But it the moment was just a stroke of genius that I was just, we like paused the episode and like, look, I didn't have this plan, but I can make it work. And we're going to stick with it because it's amazing. And then we yeah. just kind of rolled with it. So, the only thing that was edited out of that moment, which, you know, a peek behind the curtain, was me laughing hysterically and us going back, of, back and forth about the how funny it would be for him to be in Tedward's body. And then we were just like, yeah. we're doing it. Boom. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, it was very impromptu.
0: It also helped, too, that that moment happened at the very, very end of one of our recording sessions. And when we started the next recording, we picked up with a summary of that so we had a lot of genuine kind of rp after you all were able to like think about it and digest so the next yep. episode started with you you all aware and accepting that tedward was in this body now mm-hmm. you have to figure it out
2: yep. god that was funny that was so funny when it happened.
0: Oh, i'm uh... i still laugh about it Ch- cheyenne in particular had reached out to me maybe she retweeted about the show but she said that when Tedward started talking, she laughed so hard she scared a woman on the bus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which just like hearing that brings a smile to my face because it was so good.
1: That's like, the only reason I've been doing any of this was to scare the shit out of Cheryl.
2: <laughs> Cheryl on the bus.
1: <laughs> Cheryl on the bus. Stay on your toes, Cheryl. I'm outside your window.
0: <laughs> oh, no. oh, Jesus. Um, And to even make that moment a little bit better, I intentionally found a track to where you might know of it, it's what the Kevin MacLeod ca- track that's like the sneaky thief. It's like, it's like <laughs> the stereotypical like sneaky yep. meme music. Yeah, I yep. underlaid that.
1: The under nature of my whole... of my job means I know every piece of stock royalty free music ever composed. Yeah,
0: okay. That I, I was figured you would know it, but that track was underlaid under your entire speech, and then right <laughs> as you finished, I just slowly faded it out, and there was about three seconds of silence, and then you are like. And then I was like, he's in Jerry's Black. <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh you guys give me magical moments to edit into something, and it works out so well so often. Um let's see. I
2: have another question. Yeah, what's? what go ahead. What have uh what of your guys' like favorite kind of quotes that have come out from the show? Like just kind of like out of the blue, random quotations that we just come up with, and it just turns into the kind of its own life, essentially. Uh,
1: hmm.
0: I didn't know immediately because this is something I've thought of for a while because so much of the random, made up stuff you guys say on the spot is easily merchable. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should take better care of your pets, a little picture yeah. of Igni. <laughs> hair all fluffed up on fire burning a table that he's standing on. Mm-hmm. Or like Teb word it goes all the way to the top. Like all there are so the many.
2: Oh my god. That scene, I still like laugh, cry about that. That I think we were recording that and we just couldn't stop giggling. And like I know I had to mute myself at one point because I was actually crying. Cause it just it just fits so well. I just couldn't I couldn't keep it in. It's too good.
0: Um, it goes all the way to the top.
2: But yeah those those Ooh. were that was,
0: yeah there's so many i'd have to go back through the show and kind of dig around because like while i'm while i've been editing the episodes i'm like oh that could be a t-shirt oh that could be a sticker that could be a pin like all this stuff that could easily turn into like fun little bits of merch um Tedward, how about you do you have one
1: i don't think i have a particular favorite one um i mean you kind of spout them like every <laughs> three minutes <laughs> there are a lot sure. of moments that that stand out like the take better care of your pet stuff and all of the unintentional threats that Alea used to spout constantly. Oh, yeah. um, those always would make me laugh later thinking like, Jesus, that does sound really true.
2: Yeah, I yeah, until someone said it, like until someone mentioned it, like damn, Aaliyah is so bossy and so mean. I was like, wait, really?
0: That um, brings me into a good question. So this was originally directed towards me um, again by Nikki from top of the round, but she asked the moment that shocked me the most as the DM, and I can say it's most of the stuff that Tedward ha- Tedward has done. And um, every character has had their little minor moments, but I think Tedward has shocked me just the most by nature of how he's played. Um, are there any moments that shock both of you or like just total surprise or like something you think back on a lot that was better than you expected?
1: When I got impersonated. Oh yeah. When the shapeshifters showed up, that that threw me for a loop.
0: Oh, that was a little moment. If you had, when you were on that roof brooding, <laughs> I had you roll a perception check. And if you had rolled anything, I think you rolled stupid low. But if you had rolled like average or moderate, you would have seen the mail, the courier that you guys found in the bottom of the shop. You would have seen them standing in the alleyway watching you with yellow eyes. But you missed it. Because the the perception check was just so low. Mm,
1: most of them have been.
2: <laughs> things that kind of played out. I think, honestly, this might go a little off topic, but something I'm constantly finding or, like, making note of is how, how things play out in a way that wasn't originally intended but, but, like, works so well to how a character was built or supposed to be portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the role of the die just kind of, like solidifies like yep that's exactly what would happen you know yeah. like
0: those moments that you don't think you don't think of or write up but like the dice just kind of leave you there
2: yeah it's it's crazy and like as unpredictable as D is the unpre like the the how do i say this the uh the po- endless possibilities that you can get playing dnd um because literally anything can happen um but then certain things fall into place if you're just like oh i'm gonna roll this oh you know what that that fell into character or like i'm gonna roll this and honestly the way it started off was not how i thought it was then but it's still perfectly fit as to what like um x y and z would do like i'm trying to think of as an mm-hmm. example but i can't um
0: in the show i can think of any moment where Aleya has tripped and stumbled and like broken her dirt pockets or like ruined something because mm-hmm. like you may not intend for her to be that clumsy but the dice just kind of lead you there pretty often
2: i think i fail every single dex throw <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like every role that's a dex uh i i think i failed um
0: the thing that i love about that is you know some players would be they would role play their character and you know and kind of metagame a little you know my character sucks at this i'm not gonna do it and alay is just constantly still trying so hard <laughs>
2: I believe in the dice, so one day it'll work, and she'll be great and graceful and won't stumble upon her own feet.
0: Mm, let's see. Um, we kind of just hit on that. Carolina was asking, our, her Twitter handle is PowerWordFU. She's a pretty close friend of the show, as you may know. But um, she asked me what the wildest curveballs our players threw at me this arc, and it was absolutely the Tedward Blueberry moment. And in parentheses, she made sure to say, and why are 90% of them Tedward?
1: Mm. I mean that's just because the whole reason I play D&D is to be not like I am in real life. So no. in real life I chances are if you've got a group of people and I'm one of them I'm probably going to just be sitting there not saying a whole lot. Uh
2: I don't know. So. We're we, talking, we we're talking we're, we're not we We're talking outside of D&D you say some crazy things we, that are We all like- know
1: each other. That's
0: why. Yeah. That's you're, why. you're comfortable enough to just constantly output this kind of creative energy that we normally wouldn't see in like a setting with a stranger or something
1: yeah Did but just... like uh that's why i play D is to you know be like yeah i'm gonna shove a potato in this guy's mouth or put a sack on my head and tackle a guy oh that's... my god
2: that was funny where <laughs> tedward just became like a vigilante it was like just put the sack on his head oh mm-hmm. god that was good
1: i have many transformations planned oh, apart I'm from scared. being put in a blueberry wait till i get baked into bread word. oh my god oh
2: <laughs> my god <laughs>
1: Okay, so that, that brings me to a
0: good answer to that question. For me, the wildest curveball that was ever thrown my way was the moment Tedward looked at that guardhouse and he goes, I'm pouring all my potatoes in the ground. And in my head, I was like, oh, is he going to throw it at them? Is he going to like sprint over and tackle them and shove them in his mouth? And then the potato sack went on your head. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that went downhill so fast.
2: Oh, it was so funny, though. As a player, though, I do not like. I take inspiration from you with how you portray Tedward and just the craziness. Because, like, you know, I tr- as I said, D and D has unlimited possibilities, and I do find myself kind of kind of falling into tropes of like, oh, what's the next logical step? I'll do this, you know. And I do uh, really admire you for really thinking outside of the box, and I it's something I've wanted been, wanted. Like have been thinking to like do more of with Alea and like myself too. Just like think outside of the box, you know. Just like do something that you wouldn't normally really do it and go crazy.
1: Um, oh well, thank you. Yeah. So it's actually like I I've always wanted to play like a hyper serious campaign where everybody's like very in character all the time and and very acting like people would act if they if they were in a fantasy universe. But I'm physically incapable of it. <laughs>
0: You know what, I I appreciate that a ton, because, like, serious D&D is, it has its moments, it can be fun, but, like, if you're all not laughing, and you're just, you know, pretending to be, you know, different people in this super serious setting, you're just, I don't know, it's not loose, it's not fun.
1: Yeah, you have to play those in short doses, those are, like, for one-shots.
0: Yeah, oh, exactly, absolutely.
1: Because then, then, if you, if you do try to be very serious, sooner or later, you'll find that, like you take things very personally. Oh yeah. I, in my opinion, anyway, people out there, maybe you guys run a, a serious grim, dark, uh, tabletop campaign and whatever universe you've created and you guys all have a great time and then have no problems afterwards. But, uh, I did try one time to have a serious campaign and very quickly players started to be offended when like the things weren't going their way and mm-hmm. God forbid somebody actually died
0: again not to say that that kind of games are wrong they they have their place and if you enjoy it that's amazing but it's not for me and i see a lot of kind of dm groups and like you know collaborative storytelling groups that i'm in that you know people just airing their problems out and talking you know getting advice and talking through it and time and time again i see so many games where the players you know they take it way too seriously and then the campaign is serious and then the players are serious any kind of infighting like has the potential to ruin a friendship
2: yeah i know uh i think during my first campaign you know like you you saw i don't know for me personally i do find myself sometimes getting serious and then i have to stop and be like no this is for fun like i'm with i'm hanging out with people i enjoy like spending time with like okay so what we don't do x y and z like how i originally played like that's the whole point and Mm -hmm. like I think being able to step back and be like, "All right, like, don't take yourself too seriously," kind of thing. I like mm-hmm. that. That's what I enjoy about this. Uh, this one.
0: This is from. We had this question asked in you know some form or another by two different people. One was Nikki from Top of the Round, and another one for, was from a user named Landon from the. I'm pretty sure it was the Cash Junkie server. I'm not entirely sure. Um, we got a lot of questions, um, but they asked how long did it take to build the setting we're working in um to give you the short answer i've been playing DD for almost seven years and when i graduated from college i started my first kind of campaign in asperon the world that we're currently playing in and since that since that moment so i've been probably writing and building up asperon for about five years um and it was constantly building on little things. I would have a very vague idea of a setting and then i drop players in it, let them give me their backstory, let them, you know, come up with some stuff. And then I would build a world around the framework they're setting up. So even in Aspiron now, there are locations in this world that I have the name of the town in one sentence about it. And then I plan things out right before you get there or This is something we're kind of experimenting with, with the new town coming up, Emerald Crossroads, which is probably where you all will be heading. It's like the next major urban city. Um, I kind of want to start doing this thing where each player gives me something that they would like to see in this place, like something cool and unique and memorable about it. Um, Do either of you remember some of the stuff you brought up or even if you did yet? Um, that you would like to see in this next city i know thurbash's player dropped the idea of this like black market trade for goods of people who have died and halei requested that there is some kind of grand circus in town and that's kind of like the major form of entertainment so i've been building the setting around those two ideas do you guys remember if there was anything if not it's fine i'm gonna I know
1: no, go ahead Hi.
2: No, I was going to say, I I definitely remember you asking, but I honestly don't remember if I gave anything.
0: Well, I guess it's something to think about.
2: (laughs) I want a cat cafe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yes, I am. Otter cafe. (laughs) Otter cafe. Otter cafe with little
2: water slides.
1: They bring you tea on the water slides.
2: (gasps) Oh, my God.
1: You know, you're describing a real place. Really? That's amazing. (laughs) If you just Google otter cafe, you know Japan has one. And that's I know because that's what I'm referencing and they do have water slides.
0: Yes. Oh see, God, so you guys are getting a peek behind the creative process. We screw around, make a joke, it sounds amazing and then I write it into something that's a little more grounded yeah. and believable.
1: <laughs> that's what I was going to say is you may have asked me what I would have liked to see but since you and I constantly bounce ideas off for the settings that we write, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have ever been able to tell if you were asking me as a veiled way to write it into the, this campaign or one of your other campaigns because oh, yeah, we talk to each other point. so constantly you probably snuck a couple in there that i don't even remember
0: to be to be honest i'm not i don't even know if i have again like you said there's so much overlap between our like shop talk that i can't even begin to tell let's see if we can find another one here um we already did what's your favorite moment of the campaign so far kind of that was a question from me to all of you um but b from frostwalkers asked if there was one moment you would love to see animated what would it be
2: ooh
1: pretty much anything <laughs> with tuberry
2: that's very true
1: if if i were going to like splurge and spend my like christmas bonus money to to like commission an animator i'd be like just pick a tuberry moment but not not the tedward tuberry one because that to me isn't a a tuberry moment that's a mm-hmm. tedward thing i would want just a a two berry moment. I always Maybe remember Tedward
0: yeah. sitting at the bar with two berry, and him oh, just yeah. like trying to give him alcohol.
1: That that was what I was gonna say, so but it, that funny story. That was basically just ripped wholesale from Guardians of the Galaxy Two when they get Groot drunk.
0: Oh yeah, that's a good
2: point.
1: Which is a bit of a nightmarish scene in that movie. Like they're really just torturing. I mean, <laughs> about
0: it? Yeah, it pretty is. It is pretty nightmarish.
2: <laughs> um. I want to say I really liked when Igni first made his appearance and you looked out of the the shop window and it was like a reflection of the oh, inside yeah. again. Um, <clears throat> I thought that was cool. Um, and then when Igni came up in the flame and stuff, um, also the dream sequences. Oh, I um,
0: love dream sequences. They're like my secret passion for D and D games. Cause I can get really wild and they come off so well.
2: Yeah. Mm. And the way that you described, I think it, it was the first time the dream sequence was introduced alaya um it was right before or it was like a night where she was dreaming about the dragon that they faced mm-hmm. um who described it kind of like like there was smoke and everything was made out of this like ethereal cloud it was like cotton candy kind of
1: mm-hmm.
2: bright texture um i think that would just be cool visually to see done
0: how that would be very cool and the fear in Alea's face in that moment would be pretty good to catch too what is this is from oh this is a funny one um from the flannel father which is another discord user
2: what great an amazing name, name. yeah was i was like, right? great name
0: i want to know what flannel like is it all flannels like is every all panel different? yes it would be awful in
2: I the best it. way
0: um this is kind of funny what are your character's favorite foods and colors
2: Ooh, hmm. that's a light one oh gosh um
1: Favorite color is the shirt that I stole from the guy who owned the tavern, <laughs> which I think, uh, according to Alea's input, was the um uh, the pattern of paper cups from the '90s with the like teal <laughs> scribble on them.
2: Yes, yeah, I forgot we did that.
1: I forgot about that. It's not See, really a color, but Tedward's Tedward thinks it is.
2: Yes. Um. How, how about you, Alea? So, a favorite color would probably be like a yellow. Like just a sunshine, sunflower, just happy color. Um, yeah, I think I think that would be I think that would be her favorite color. How about food? I want to say like a really good bread. Mm. Is that weird? Just like, mm. like not specific like a type of bread. Just like one of those like fluffy breads. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like like maybe the, a the big fluffy porous
0: loaves. They have lots of little holes. in yeah. them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love bread.
1: Um, yeah. How about that word? I think his favorite food is canon. Didn't we do something about soup or a, like a memory of soup? Oh, for him we or did.
0: Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Um, and this, okay, this is a follow-up question. Uh, I'm going to clarify. This was not for provided to me with zero context whatsoever. Cake, pie, or something else. Thank you, Nikki. Always throw me curveballs.
2: As a player or <laughs> as a character?
0: No. Interpret it as you will. She gave us no context on purpose.
2: Okay. Uh... <laughs>
1: cake pie or something else yes (laughs) this sounds like a sex thing (laughs) (laughs)
2: um i feel like actually leia would like pie and i say that as a player who despises pie or i i don't know i i i've come to the realization that i might have never had a like a real pie but uh i'm gonna say pie
1: okay how about you deborah Work. I actually make really good pies. <laughs> okay, first of all, I have to divorce myself from my assertion that this was a sex thing. <laughs> I am literally talking about the dessert. <laughs> I make really good pies. Um,
2: <laughs> what flavor pies are the best? Uh,
1: I prefer apple pie because to me, I have this thing where I have, I have pretty bad OCD. Um, and one of the ways it manifests itself is that I hate certain texture combinations. So mm-hmm. something unexpectedly mushy ruins my day, which rules out most pie. Cause pie is like a crusty thing with a mushy thing inside of it. Yeah. But apple pie, if you do it correctly, you can get the apple to be like crispy. And it's, uh, it's delightful. I know Nikki's going to hate that
0: answer mostly because her character has this ongoing feud with a woman who sells apples in their podcast. This makes me happy inside.
1: I mean, you could just, you could troll people and make them onion if you want, but the onion and the brown sugar have a very <laughs> odd, they have an odd dynamic. <laughs> Their are saying fusion dance is not a pleasing one.
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, let's move away from that topic.
1: <laughs> but I mean, personally, um, if I had to respond to cake or pie or something else, probably something else, just uh, just of, the, of those two, I'm, I don't you know, give me a package of gummy bears.
0: Ooh. Um, let's see. This is oh, uh, another one from the Instagram at Rolls Less Taken. How did each of the players pick and kind of decide on their character and class, and like what about those classes spoke to you? you uh,
2: to yeah, I mean, I I kind of already touched upon it. Uh, I I knew I wanted to do something different, so I've only every time I make a new character, I try to do it. I try to make them as different as possible with like um with their classes. Uh so I've played a rogue. I've played a you know what I'm also the newbie of D, so like I've played the least amount of D D. But I've played um my main campaign character is a rogue. Um and I I I, I haven't played with someone who's played a druid. Um So I didn't really know how druids would kind of play. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the whole situation with the, like, plants on my personal life, uh,
1: kind of,
2: yeah, it it led me there. And I liked the opposites thing, you know, kind of like a wizard who's bad at magic or, like, a -hmm. druid who can't keep plants alive or a necromancer who uh whose main goal is to like become a doctor and save lives you know it's like kind of yeah. like that kind of it, in itself of it a stereotype but i don't know i that's that's where I, I came from so i also before i make any character official um and do like a uh what are they call it's like a character sheet yep i always have to draw them so I oh,
0: so you drew uh, her first
2: yeah i drew her first and then she kind of manifested more
0: Anything particular about you, Tedward? I know we already touched on this, so I don't want you to have to retread.
1: Um, no, nah, it's just that mostly when I do this sort of thing, I tend to, I I like to play rogues because I like to have options in an encounter, which is one of my classical objections to some classes of, of D&D is that like, they're very powerful in the sense that they lay down like a lot of damage or something, but they don't, they don't really have a lot of options to be creative, and being able to like sneak around is usually a, a good way to do that. But I, I always do that. I've, I've played like three different rogues and campaigns, and then like, if I play an RPG, even on like a a game console like Skyrim, I, like no matter what I decide to do, I end up being a sneaky guy with a bow and arrow. So I just, I just sneaky wanted to do the characters. opposite of that.
2: Sneaky yeah. character's the best
1: character. Yeah, <laughs> like, It makes me think of the... I was going to say the Skyrim conundrum. No matter how
0: many exactly. times you play the game or how the character starts out, you always end up being a sneaky archer somehow.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I just wanted to do something that it was as as far away from that as possible. And so that was the last two games I I played and I had tried to be as completely far from a rogue as possible. So you got mm-hmm. Tedward and then I think the other recent character I had played was like a really, really stupid wizard who ended up being like some kind of criminal.
0: Oh, um, I think I remember you telling me about this muscle wizard.
1: Were you prison. not in that campaign? I
0: think I might have been.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you were.
0: Yeah, muscle <laughs> wizard. Because you yeah, you kept collecting griffin bones to guild and turn into a flying necromantic griffin like, neck that you could fly neck. around in.
1: Yeah, that was the campaign that we had a character... I resurrected a dead body, a skeleton. Oh
0: man! And Content I named it Oh um, no,
1: like oh, bone, Benjamin. bone Benjamin, and I had him follow me around. And then the time came that like we were fighting like a, a griffin or a chimera, we couldn't kill it. So I stuffed a bunch of like black powder into um, uh, Jimin's chest cavity and told him to suicide bomb the griffin, and he became Bombjimin.
0: You <laughs> okay? So. This a little off topic, but um, this is just another campaign story. You left out the best part: is that now I remember we encountered Bonjiman because your character has succeeded on his athletics check way faster than we did. So because you made a, He was a wizard
1: he, whose highest whose highest uh, attribute was like um uh, strength, athleticism, or something. Yeah. And you had,
0: you had scaled a mountain in like roiling winds, climbed up into this cavern. And by the time we got there, you were sitting around a fire, fire lit, well going, with an animated skeleton sitting next to you. And then you had convinced us all this was his home and we were his guest (laughs) due to some very poor insight rolls. And then he (laughs) followed us around for like four months in game time before we finally got to the, the creature that you sacrificed him to. With that little derail, uh, let's see, maybe we can do the lightning round here. Um, This is a question from Thurbash's player, since he's not here. Uh, He asked if there are any secrets that I'm surprised none of you have figured out yet, Uh, without spoiling, of course. Um, And what I can say is there was a particular magic item that you had recovered from the pit of all the dead. It is sitting in your bag, untouched a shard of black crystal that you found inside the chest cavity of someone in that pit. And it's the same type of black crystal that was covering the dragon. You guys kind of gently put it oh, in your yeah. bag of holding and then never touched it again. Well, that's that was, was entirely cool. the smart thing to do, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. What
1: people should do. But <laughs> find a shard of black crystal in the chest cavity of a corpse in a pit of other corpses in similar states of dismemberment. Put it in a bag of holding and never touch it again.
0: Yeah, I'm very um, excited to see the day when someone finally gets curious enough to poke at it. Because every D and D player gets there eventually. I just wait. You'll get there.
1: Have Twoberry touch it. Oh no, no that w- I can guarantee you that would be bad. Oh, I want to no. see. I want to see like Crystal Demon final form. Twoberry. Oh crap!
2: Oh my God, Twoberry's been the, the final boss this whole time.
0: Um, Andrew, you had a question for us about or for me in particular, about unused material?
1: Yeah, um, I'm sure you have mountains of unused
0: material. Oh, yeah. that
1: we're too stupid to actually um, we too stupid to actually avail ourselves
0: of. His question was, is there any bit of unused material that I wrote for the podcast or the story? and they never explored it. They would have helped them kind of avoid trouble um in the first arc. Definitely not. You guys kind of treaded on everything I wanted to hit. In the Whispering Lake arc, though, you absolutely did. And that was due to some very, very lucky and also unlucky rolls. Um, I might have mentioned it during the episode, but Callous Apothecary was supposed to be the first place I, inted- I had intended for you all to go. Um, but Alea rolled a natural 20 on the, those potions, so she. I gave her that knowledge that she knew about them. Um hey. And then, like further and further on, you you all just kept pursuing plot threads that would pull you away from the apothecary, and that's why the the shapeshifter attacked you, because you were traveling with Rose. Rose was its enemy, and wanted to get to her by hurting all of you. And since you weren't necessarily showing up, it came to you, because um, there was clearly clues that would have led you there if you pursued it. But your natural 20s just kind of subverted that whole bit because um, mm. you would have ended up at the apothecary immediately and you likely would have spoken to Frida Callis, who, which you, you found out later, had been dead or had been gone for like a month or two already. Um, mm. Which if you had mentioned to anyone you were in her shop, that would have tipped you off that there was something immediately wrong.
2: Mm. Um Dice, man, That's yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, the
0: dice can really throw a wrench into things, but in, like, a good way. A lot of good stuff came out of that mishap.
2: <clears throat> yeah.
1: It makes me wish that in real life, when things like that happened, there would be a sound effect for when I roll a nat 20.
0: <laughs> so much easier to accept it.
1: Like, or, or like, correspondingly, like, uh, <clears throat> when I roll a nat 1, like, recently, I was hanging out with one of my friends, pre-quarantine, not being a fool, and this, um, uh, This waitress was very obviously hitting on him, and he just didn't know. (laughs) And I I didn't say anything, because I feed off misfortune. Um, (laughs) But like, if there was a sound effect (laughs) for rolling a nat 1, he probably would have been deaf.
2: Oh my god.
1: That's amazing.
2: It would be horrifying, though, if you heard the nat 1 sound effect, and you weren't doing anything.
1: (laughs) Oh no! You just like get up and somersault, like, I don't know, man, reflexing. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: another question from Thurbash's player was Did I prepare for the possibility that you you all would try to fight Rose, Lieblin, for the the pieces of the dragon? Um and how badly would you have been beaten? Um well she so is a badly. much Yeah. at that point i had tried to make it very clear that it was not a smart decision to fight her you could have and she probably would have just knocked knocking you out checked you guys for anything valuable and left um rose is a good person but she is also an opportunist um as you saw from how she engaged with you rather than just walk away and leave the thing she tried to take control and take the thing from you um and you guys, as you saw from her like magic black hammer and the fact that she could shoot crossbow bolts that could turn into lightning when you guys were fighting the monster, she probably wouldn't have had to try very hard to deal with you. And you would have had you would have woken up and had to make your way into Whispering Lake to find her
1: and maybe get your stuff back. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's one of the great challenges of being a DM, I imagine, is like uh not not wanting to tell your players no or to make them lose on purpose. But like mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to.
0: That leads us into another question um, from Nikki, from again, top of the round. As a DM, how do I deal with consequences of player actions? Um, as I just said, a lot of it is me rolling with whatever the players decide to do. Um, and then to me, like a D&D world, it's not a plot. It's not a thing. There isn't a set story. I don't have a railroad. I build a place and then I put my players in it and then give them stuff to do and stuff to get their attention um maybe that stuff's important maybe it's a side quest that just catches their eye um but every time they do something to the world i try to make it respond in a way that seems organic i think the one problem i realized i have with whispering lake is i'm not very good at city guard they're either like super friendly and don't care or they're super aggro and that's like doesn't paint them in a nice corner, um, which that's something I'm going to be improving upon when we get to further encounters. But a lot of the time, I just kind of try to make the world respond to their actions in a way that makes sense.
1: Mm. That is tough, like because player characters, are we're we're usually murder hobos.
0: That's that's kind of why I lean into that accidental, like either they're super chill or they're super aggro, because I'm used to having at least one player who's like, that guy's got a sale, but yeah, how much... Would it cost me if i just killed him tonight so like
1: that reflex is still there
2: new objective Elaya's gonna just kill a random person <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs>
1: oh, we could always be deputized if we were the city guard the city guard wouldn't bother us that's a good point and that's kind of what happened when you guys now
0: that i think about it when you like met up with rose because rose was a pretty well known member of the guild and they knew that if Rose was involved it was probably a, a helpful thing So like the weird stuff that was going on the moment they realized you were working with her, that's why that guard got so amenable with you and was like ready to talk. Cause Mm -hmm. before that you were just strangers making havoc. Um, even if you had like done a bounty, you're just strangers who walked into town with an unconscious guy, took some, took some cash and then made a mess of everything. But Rose really helped out with that a lot. Um, The Instagram asked if there was any stuff that you guys missed early on about the wider plot that I had to hastily work in somewhere else. Thankfully, no, Um, because, again, I don't really write my campaigns as a linear story or even like a branching story. It's more of a place that they explore. So plot happens regardless if the players do anything or not Um, because it's like a living, breathing place. Uh, Let's see. We're almost out of questions. Um oh this is from Nikki put in a lot of questions. Thank you so much Nikki. You are wonderful. Um what is one thing you both of you realized about yourself after you started recording? In her question she gave an example where it was like wow my laugh actually sounds like that?
2: Uh see I am also a streamer so like I've already had
1: those, yeah.
2: <laughs> those moments. Um I guess it's I guess it's going back to um like thinking that i was thinking outside of the box and then realizing i wasn't and like wanting to be more outspoken and like i i also trying to i want to be funnier <laughs> i don't think I'm, i don't think i would t- like listening back i'm like oh i'm just pure cringe like it's not funny <laughs> um
0: i think but just for the record i think you are very very funny it's just not intentional like a lot of the stuff right. you do and say with your characters comes off really well. And it makes these like really perfect moments that I don't think dawn on you at the moment that they're as great as they are.
2: Oh, that's nice then. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's more of just self-reflection and like wanting to grow as a player, um, get more comfortable in, um, in, in a D and D setting. Cause again, I've only played like, I think three games, like three, two campaigns and then one, one shot. Um, uh, so i want to i want to become a more comfortable D D player and listening to that and hearing it back in the recording i'm like oh i could have done this or i could have so retrospective this. stuff yeah and mm-hmm. then like i'll make a note of it and be like oh that'll be a good thing to think about like you know
1: have you tried drinking during streams
2: <laughs> uh i i have uh but that usually just turns into just like See, the police are after me
0: already. <laughs> <laughs> Timing. See, it's that. It's that. That's exactly what I mean.
2: <laughs> They're here. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll just do it. We'll just do a drinking uh, podcast recording next time.
0: I mean, a one shot could be good. Just to give you a peek behind my screen. Um, if I know you're going to a place where there's going to be a character voice that I haven't done before, or I know there might be a lot of improv, I'll usually have a beer or like you know, like a whiskey and Coke or something just to loosen me up. Because sometimes I get overwhelmed by a lot of crazy stuff happening and I lock up, but that little bit, that little bit just loosens me up just enough to say yes. And to basically everything, and then improv it on the spot without any problems. I don't rely on it, but it does help sometimes if I'm extra nervous. Taylor, how about you?
1: Um, I think I had the same, like, uh, I I had the same, Oh my God, my voice sounds like that crisis that everybody else did. Mm. But I, I just beat, I beat all my demons about like self-image and body image into submission a long time ago by basically using your method. Uh, but you were kind of legendary among our fl- friend group for like, no one had ever seen you angry because anytime anyone says anything even vaguely insulting to you, even in jest, you just go, so? And, like, <laughs> That's my you favorite would, you, rebuttal. Exactly, and you would dare them to escalate. And I learned so much from that, is that every time I heard that like inner voice and being like, being like, hey, your voice is stupid, or, you know, any <laughs> so? anything, I, you just go, so.
0: Make it stupider, <laughs> like, I'm and like, go ahead, do it.
1: <laughs> the devil hates that. Um, it's that.
0: It's that thing from Enchantment. Do it, do it, yeah, do it, it, do it, do it. <laughs> it really
1: shrivels the devil's walnuts when you do that. Like, <laughs> absolutely non-starter for any kind of interaction. So that, but I think that the thing that I try to moderate consciously is I love D&D quite a bit. And I know that sometimes I monopolize DM attention because I'll have all these crazy ideas that I want to see to fruition, like being in a blueberry body. (laughs) And I think sometimes I'm a little overbearing and I rob opportunities from other people. And that's something that I Whenever I listen, I go like, dude, you got to shut the fuck up and just let somebody else talk. <laughs> um, and uh, that's that's something I realized about myself when I listen to recordings that I do try to fix. One thing that I can say I noticed is one,
0: I growing up, all my friends, we would, you know, constantly talk over each other all the time. Um, and when I'm recording, especially, I notice that happening pretty frequently where like I have a line of thought and write as I'm about to talk, someone starts talking before me and then I cut them off by accident. Um, so I've been working on that a lot. I'm pretty like self-conscious of it. And the other thing is I've noticed I've kind of noticed this in previous games that I've run, but you know every player plays d and d differently. Sometimes you have, you know the the hyper creative player who's constantly putting out these crazy ideas and they're always trying to up the ante. And then you have other players who, don't really engage in combat and they run from everything. And then you have others who just really enjoy being like part of the audience that interjects every once in a while. And when we first started recording, I had noticed how, how little audio time um, Rob, Haley's player gets while we're playing. And thinking back, like every single campaign I've run or any game I've been in that had featured him, he played his all of his characters like that. And it kind of took me a little bit and I even had to like reach out to him a couple times and ask him like, are you having fun? Because I was so nervous about it. And he always said he was having fun and having a blast. And it took me a long while to realize that, you know, that's just how he plays and how he enjoys the game. Um, And like recording kind of helped me overcome that fear, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. Let's see. We're right at about time. Uh, uh, Who from Nikki again, who would you cast as your player characters in a movie version of the show (laughs) oh my god
2: (laughs) sorry what was the question
0: who would you cast as your character in a movie version of this like if it was on screen and you could pick a famous person
1: let's answer and then let's cast each other too Ooh,
0: i like this yes
1: and then we'll cast the dm
0: oh god oh no
2: I don't know celebrities like that. I'm going to have to sit there and Google. I have an answer for Alea.
1: If yeah. I had to cast Aleya, I would cast Zoe Kazan. I don't know if you guys know, she's, uh, she's in a relationship with Paul Dano. He's a pretty famous actor. Um, she works with Joss Whedon a lot. Um, she is very good at that sort of like sweet, but sounds inadvertently. <laughs> oh, I've seen her before. I can't. You definitely quite,
0: yeah, I can't quinkly, uh, can't quite put my finger on what I've seen her in, but
1: she is she is tremendously funny and she's also a really great writer. She wrote and starred in this movie called Ruby Sparks that starts out like the typical male fantasy of a guy gets a woman he can like literally control and it spirals into like a nightmare. It's a fantastic movie that everyone should see, particularly if they have testicles. <laughs>
2: What is it called? Quirky. No, it's sorry. called
1: it's called Ruby? Ruby Sparks.
2: Ruby Sparks.
1: I'll have yeah. to check that out. If I was gonna cast the DM, I'd definitely do Martin Freeman, because hey. Martin Freeman is really good at looking like so up, like done with everybody's shit. <laughs> he has that face that he does. Yeah, he really does. He's like Gandalf. No, again with the dwarves. Um, <laughs> I feel like that would be your face most of the
0: time. <laughs> I mean, most of the stuff that. T- um, like, the, just the madness you guys put out. I love it, but I'm all, like, it's funny that you would think that because so often when you guys are, like, putting out nonsense or, like, doing stuff, I end up muting myself so that you can't hear my, like, audible excitement.
1: No, yeah, I, and yeah. obviously I know that you're enjoying it, but it's funny for audience effect if it appears <laughs> as if you're Oh, not. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, like, right in the trope. For Tedward, I'd be like, for anybody who, who, who might be a little bit thick, Tedward is very obviously just Krunk from Emperor's New Groove. Oh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> who, he's like, like down down to the origin story of him being like a homebody who just wants to work in a diner, but keeps getting pulled into these like crazy situations.
0: He really um, is a Krunk analog. I never yeah. thought, I never, I don't know how I missed that.
1: And that was very intentional. I always wanted to, I always wanted to play a character who's Krunk, who, was crunk, who was like his, the attribute that everybody always wants him for, the fact that he's a gigantic sickle. Is not at all his personality. Like, I love it. Crunk is a weird line cook in a diner in Peru in the 12th century or something. Um, but I, oh so like, the obvious answer would just be I think that's Patrick Warburton who does yeah. Krunk's voice. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for other reasons, I think uh, probably Woody Harrelson, because I just find Woody Harrelson to be just one of the funniest people. It's, he's uh, Zombie Lane, right? Zombie yeah. uh, true detective. Oh, just a huge laundry list of other things but yeah his character in *Zombieland* is pretty close on the money of why i would want him for a tedward type character maybe like a young Woody harrelson um av uh,
0: what do you Cena. think for what do you think for Leia, if you have
2: one i, I don't know uh, i was thinking like i don't know none of them like really fit, like the ones that i know okay i'm thinking like emma stone is really funny and really like I feel like could play kind of like that awkward Mm. like who's the the girl the actress that plays juno
1: that's ellen page
2: ellen page yeah she's
0: awesome yeah
2: i love her you know
0: what just occurred Um, to me this is a, a newer show i've been watching called um zoe's extraordinary playlist i don't know the actress's name
2: oh wait i saw a tutorial of uh of uh, not a tutorial a trailer
1: <laughs> <laughs> a tutorial for a movie <laughs>
2: i saw a, tra- a trailer for that uh that it's a show right
0: yeah yeah it's a hulu show um for anyone uh, who doesn't know of it it's a woman who suddenly gains the power to read minds except it only comes in the form of heartfelt musical performances that only she can see
1: a jane cursory yeah, levy. jane levy
0: yeah i think she oh, could she, based on how she yeah. plays that character in the show i think she could do a good a really yeah, fun alaya. i
2: agree i agree
0: Okay, since we don't have the other players, um, quick one from Susanna. What inspired you to make a D&D show and why that system specifically? Um, well, the system specifically, it's the only tabletop RPG I've played until very recently because I was on Susanna, or we were all on Susanna's show for her Monster of the Week show, which was lovely. That game system is great. Um, but that's the one I was comfortable with and I knew I could run confidently. Um, and what inspired me to make me want to run a D and d podcast? Um, I had just discovered them maybe about two years before while I was running my own d and d game. And I had hit the finale of the, you know the pretty well-known show Adventure Zone. And up until then, I hadn't listened to a D and d podcast that had these crazy, really deep, heartfelt moments of story that I had never before seen captured on, I mean, movie or television. There was just something really touching about it because you'd listen to, I think they had 69 episodes. It's a minimum of 69 hours with this particular, these particular characters. And the fact that they were able to use D D to make, you know, a grown man cry in his car while he's driving to work was something absolutely beautiful. Um and then when they started their second campaign, like the kickoff was just so strong and good, it inspired me to make my own and kind of pull in all these creative, wonderful people that we have on this show. Um, do you guys have any questions? We're almost out. Hmm. I do have one for you, but I want to get you guys in here. Nikki has taken up a lot of our time. No offense, Nikki. I love you.
2: But
0: <laughs> there was a lot of questions no. for you.
2: <laughs> Her questions were really amazing. Yeah, great. um, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of anything else.
0: As uh, a DM,
2: yeah. What's the most rewarding to DM? Like, what's the most rewarding thing?
0: Ooh. Um, as so, a DM? right off the bat, I'll tell you the one that I hate doing is. I mean, I'll do it. I love when a combat gets crazy, but I really don't think any D and D podcast that I've listened to that features combat heavily. I find myself drifting off and not paying attention, um, which just goes to show that even when running combat in D&D specifically, um, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, things that I absolutely love, um, we hit on a moment, two moments like that during the show. Oh, a lot, actually. Um, I like just pure role play. No dice rolls. It's just two people pretending to be someone they're not. And telling, like, a touching story. And the first time that happened was Aleya's backstory with her family. Mm. I think during that whole episode, we didn't roll a single dice. Yeah. Um, And it just created this whole image of where Aleya came from, who she was. You knew her relationship with her family. You knew everything you needed to know about her in that 50 minutes of us just talking to each other Mm. and making a story together. And the fact that we could do all of that I didn't plan anything for that
2: session. I didn't either.
0: <laughs> yeah, neither of us did. And we, together, we were able to make this really wonderful, beautiful little look into Aleah's life before she left home without any dice, without any assistance, just us finding a place in the middle. And that happened with all of the particular memories that, you know, Andrew, you said Tedward should lose. I was just fishing to see what you'd get rid of. And, you know, the stereotypical thought is bad memories. And you intentionally picked good ones. And that was, a, that, was, that was a moment where we got like a glimpse into who Tedward was. You know, beyond the facade, beyond all the interactions, just what was the most important to him in that little moment. And the same kind of thing happened with Hele too, where he was facing down this creature, this giant roiling mass of shadow that just to his mind killed his friend. And Hele's first thought was to reach out to the man trapped inside it, not attack. And there was that whole moment of resonance where both their souls connected for a moment. And they got to see each other for who they truly were. And that moment was just, oh, I die for that kind of stuff. It's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, sorry, that was a little rambly, but you can tell how much I love those kinds of moments.
2: No, mm. I always like hearing from a DM perspective because I've never DM'd and um, I just know it can be scary. <laughs>
0: It was a first. It absolutely was. Um, oh, that was a question that came up. Um, I think it somehow got vanished. Um, someone from the ca- or someone from the Cash junkie Discord server, um, they asked if I had any advice for DMs who want to start writing their own content. Now, they were specifically referencing Homebrew, like, you know, making up your own spells, your own character classes, and all this stuff. Um, in terms of writing, I find a lot of people tend to overcomplicate things and they try very, very, very hard to be original um, with mechanics and they muddle the whole thing up. I think D&D is best when it's simple and there's less dice rolls because the more rolls you have to make, the longer you're out of the the narrative, the story. So if you're trying to homebrew or write anything, look at the system, see what the system already has that kind of does what you want to do. Take it, reflavor it a little bit and modify it because then you can twist some, an existing mechanic with flavor and tell the story that you want to without getting bogged down about trying to be new and original with yeah like you know function and game mechanics when in reality you can just make another element that can tell a cool story instead of worrying about you know how many dice this person rolls when they get access yeah. to their new crazy weird spells that they roll at the beginning of every day or something crazy that's good advice. And again, for writing and DMing, I'd say for at least acting as characters, um, don't worry about having to do a goofy voice or anything. Um, it's great, it adds to the experience, but if you can just learn to roll with the dice and tell a fun story with your friends, that's really what's important. Um, do either of you have any advice about like running a character that you found useful? Little, or t- t- little, little tips or tricks?
1: Just don't be self-conscious. Like I said about just telling that little voice of doubt in your head to just shut up. Um, if you're, if you, every ideally everybody playing D and D feels awkward and they're all laughing about it at the same time. Mm. Um, if you feel awkward about something, it, it doesn't mean you shouldn't go for it, or doesn't mean that you can't have fun. Um, don't don't take it don't take yourself too seriously and yeah. just have fun. Yeah. All right,
0: um, last question. This is another one from Nikki. <laughs> um, do either of you have a typical routine before you kind of get into a and d game? She said recording session, but D&D game in general, I think is a better term.
2: I used to go through all of my notes from previous, uh, from previous uh, games. Um, and then at some point I was just like, you know what, if I don't remember it, like, There's, like, I gotta, like, act like my character wouldn't remember it, you know? So, like, I'll also look at notes and organize my stuff, um, try to, like, see, this is why, um, it's bad, though, because there are certain aspects, like, I forgot about Igni, I forgot about, uh, there's so much of, there's so many things I forgot about, so maybe, maybe I should go back to looking at my notes. Um, (laughs) yeah, I don't have a specific routine. I like, I like to this is also probably a bad one and pro- people who are really serious about D and like are superstitious uh sometimes i do like some rolls so like
0: uh, roll out the bad ones
2: yeah <laughs> um and then if i if i roll only good ones and it's like oh i just wasted all of them but uh that's just a little fun little kind of superstitious thing silly things
0: edward how about you
1: uh not really um one thing i do do if you've ever heard like a scribbling sound coming from my mic is i doodle constantly during play before after um it's not that i'm not paying attention It actually helps me focus because it gives my hand something to do um i'm the
0: same way so, when i'm playing yeah. you might absent you might hear dice rolling and that has no I'm, i may not actually be rolling i'm just playing with what happens to be in front of me and sometimes it's a d20 you know, yeah. sometimes it scares them sometimes it's just me they don't <laughs> know, it's, it's fine it has yeah. its benefits
1: <laughs> yeah no exactly like if I wasn't doodling, my hands would be doing something else, and it'd be only a matter of time before that something else became noisy enough to disrupt play. Like, so I, and I, I also enjoy, enjoy drawing, so that's what I do when I play. Is I just draw constantly. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's really cool. I've I have heard the scribbling, but just by pure chance, every time I have noticed it, it was when the book was writing or the book was being described or something like that. So it's uh, always like. At any point during the show, if someone hears it, you can just, it's safe to assume that the book is scribbling. So that's, it like, that's
1: pretty fortuitous.
0: Yeah, it actually covers it up really nicely. Um, so if anybody has noticed, it'd be like, oh, that's a nice detail. And it's like, nah, I just can't edit oh. it out. But it's fine, <laughs> it works great. Um, oh, my routine. So I don't have any routine before I sit down and play. I do writing sometimes, I'll do prep, um, like in the days before a recording. Um, but I don't actually do any prep right before I sit down. There's usually about a half hour of me figuring out my weird audio scheme that I have going on.
2: Oh yeah, um, there's always an audio there's issue. There's always
0: an audio issue. Um, just Someone
2: because, has to have it.
0: Yeah, just because we're working remotely. like It's bound to happen. It's a pain point every time, um, and it's fine. Uh, but to prepare characters when I'm trying to learn a new voice or trying to do one, um, for a previous campaign, I had a character that sounded almost identical to Doomfist. That took me a very long time to do. Um, and most of my voice prep work for any kind of important character is done in my two-hour drive to work. Um, so, like, I'll be listening to music and I'll just be talking in that voice in the car where no one can hear me um, until I perfect it. That's how I got Rose, where I was comfortable with her. Um And um, Toddie in the beginning, even though he wasn't around for a very long time. Oh, Um, my
2: gosh, Toddie! Oh, I'm so mad about him.
0: (laughs) That dickhead. But yeah, that's that's where my prep occurs. In the car when I'm listening to music or another podcast or something. um, Or late nights where I'm just sitting down writing. Before recording, it's just, you know, cleaning up audio. Yeah. Um, Well, that was the last of our questions. I have two here that... Could work, but I think it might be useful to save them for another episode, um, just because we're running a little long. Uh, is there anything you all ha- would like to say to the audience? I know we normally don't address them, but this is a pretty good opportunity if you'd like to.
2: Okay. Heck you, audience. No, I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Heck
1: you. Stop sending me oysters.
2: Oh, my God. Uh, start sending me oysters. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Your DMs are full of oysters. No. Uh... DMs, dude. A freaking mailbox. You just (laughs) hear
2: Um No (laughs) But uh I just thank you for watching. Uh yeah, I just I it's crazy it's always crazy to me that people will take the time out of their day, you know, to um no offense, listen to a bunch of uh goofballs. Um
1: I'm a goofball, that's fine. I'm a Um, goof sphere. A
2: goof orb. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm really appreciative and I'm glad people enjoy it. Um, yeah, and hope you guys uh, hang out soon and that we can continue to put out really great stuff. And, yeah,
0: Tedward? Sorry, <laughs> Leia. I let that go on. I did not want to interrupt you, I'm but I know that like all that here. you like uh, meander and get. <laughs> I can <laughs> forget it, T-bird. Uh Any any words?
1: Um, I mean, apart from the oyster thing. Uh, no. I would I'd say ditto
0: ditto it is um just to reach out to the audience we have hit the 1700 download mark for our tiny little show um which is amazing and wonderful we we're pretty close to 700 followers on twitter which when that happens i'm definitely going to try and do some kind of giveaway um thank you so much for listening to us and kind of carrying us through while this past year it's been a little it's probably been, been about a year since we started um so thanks for lifting us up and coming along for the ride. I hope you've enjoyed our game and I can't wait to make more stories with these folks for you to enjoy. Aww. Thank you for all the questions, everyone. You're amazing. So much.
2: Thanks guys. ah. i so, it is so wholesome. I love
0: it. <laughs> hey folks. And thanks for stopping by to help us celebrate our one year anniversary of the show. This has been an amazing and truly wonderful ride one year later and the support you've shown us is more than we could have ever believed possible for such a small production like ourselves i'm so honored and happy to have all of you out there following along we had so many questions submitted for this episode and some of the contributors went unnamed by my fault so for that i'd like to mention nikki from top of the Round, susanna from thornvale instagram from roles less taken Landon from Shadows of St. Fleur, B from the Frost podcast, at Poems by Cheyenne from Twitter, and The Flannel Father, and Spark from the Cash Junkie server. I'd also like to give a particular shout out for the Cash Junkie server, which you'll find in our episode description. They pr- helped us get so many questions. You all gave us such wonderful things to talk about, and I just wanted to thank you for the support you've shown to us during the quarantine. It's had our production schedule pretty hard, One of our um, cast members is working nights, so he hasn't been able to record, so neither have we. And things will continue to be a little bit messy for the next month or so until we get everything on track. It's been an amazing year of production, and I can't wait to keep on sharing our story with you all. And maybe some new campaigns as well. Anyways, thanks again, and see you soon. Stay safe out there, and please stay healthy, for everyone's sake. (music)